Hey, welcome to episode number 200, 200 of More Than Bread. That's about 20,000 spoken minutes. But then on average, over 100 people have downloaded each episode. So that's like 2 million listened minutes. And hopefully at least 25% of those minutes were of value. I would guess that I spent at least five to six minutes of each episode reading scripture. I know that's of value. So we're back to at least 20,000 minutes of value. But you know what I've found in my life that sometimes all the Spirit of God needs is a minute or two? More is better. Definitely more is better. More minutes surrendered, surrendering our attention to the Spirit of God and the Word of God is far better than less minutes. But sometimes in a minute or two of true surrender, decisions are made and actions are taken that can change the trajectory of our life. In our 200th episode, we're going to read more of Paul's letter, more of chapter one than in the last episode. But to be honest, we're going to zero in on one less than a minute's worth of God's word. And I do believe this one statement, this one example, this one challenge, if we accept it, if we adopt it and lean into it, it has the power to change the direction of our lives. So let me read Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 30, and maybe even as I read, you can guess which few words I'm going to highlight, though there's a lot of good ones. I'm reading from the New International Version, and here's what it says. Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage. He's talking about his time in prison, right? All these difficulties he's going through, waiting for sentencing that may include execution. And he says, I, I'm praying, I'm hoping that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me... To live as Christ and to die as gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens then, he says in verse 27, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, that you will be saved and and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. We're going to focus on one small statement in those words from God. It's a small statement with great significance. I chose one small statement because I I know you'll remember it. I call it the great reversal. So let me ask you a question. Start with a question. Don't don't worry. This is not an exam. What is your greatest dream? In 1904, a young man named William Borden graduated from a Chicago high school. His parents owned the Borden Dairy Farms. This was a large company, so William was already a millionaire. For his high school graduation present, his parents gave him a trip around the world. But as he traveled through Asia and the Middle East, he felt a growing burden for the hurting people of the world who did not know Jesus. And and near the end of the trip, Borden wrote his mother. He said, I know God is calling me to be a missionary. And one of his friends was just amazed that Williams was throwing his life away to be a missionary. 
During that season of his life, he wrote two words in the back of his Bible, no reserves, as in nothing held back, all in, total abandon, Borden held nothing back. During his college years at Yale, he became a a pillar in the Christian community. One entry in his personal journal defined the source of his spiritual strength that read, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. During his first semester at Yale, Borden started a small prayer group that would transform the campus. This little little prayer group gave birth to a movement that spread across the campus. By the end of his first year, 150 freshmen were meeting weekly to study the Bible and pray together. By his senior year, 1,000 of Yale's at that time, 1,300 students were involved. At the same time, he also worked with the poor who lived on the streets. He started the Yale Hope Mission. One of his profs said, I believe that the Hope Mission has done more to convince students of the power of Christianity than anything at the university. Borden was often planning with others to make sure every student on campus heard about Jesus, but his real passion was international missions. He he attended a, a student conference where he learned about the great number of Muslims in China When he graduated from Yale, Borden wrote two more words in the back of his Bible, no retreats. And he kept that commitment. He he turned down several high-paying jobs, including the opportunity to take over the multi-million dollar Borden company back in the 1900s, early 1900s. Instead, he set sail for China on December 17, 1912. He stopped in Egypt to study Arabic so he could work with Muslims. But while in Egypt, William got spinal meningitis. Within a month, he died, 25 years old. Years of training, a promising future, and he never even made it to China. One of William's friends received his Bible after his death. When he opened it, he found the words that Williams had written in his Bible. No reserves, written when God grabbed his heart for the hurting people of the world. No retreats, written when he graduated from college and had to choose between a high-paying job and 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 his call to the mission field. And two more words, written while in Egypt, sometime in the weeks before he died. No regrets. No regrets. He never even made it to China. No regrets. And perhaps somewhere in the back of your mind, you're thinking, God, what a waste. See, I think sometimes we're worried that if we tell God he can send us out wherever he wants us to go, we'll go. (laughs) We're kind of afraid that God will waste our lives. But do you believe the Bible is true? If you do, then listen to Paul's dream. He writes it out in Philippians 1.21. I think every Christian should be required to memorize it. It's not hard to memorize. Here's Paul's dream. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the dream that William Borden lived by. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. For me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He never made it to the mission field in China, but because living was all about Jesus, he touched hundreds of students at Yale University and Princeton Divinity School who then became missionaries. So many people heard the call to missions through his life. And because the news of his death was published all over the world, many people wrote letters to his family expressing how their lives had been influenced by his story of faith and his commitment to the cause of Christ. What's your dream? For far too many people, especially American Christians, Paul's words are close to our dream. We've just changed two words. Our dream could be stated this way. For to me to live is gain and to die is Christ. 
For to me, to live is gain and to die is Christ. Isn't that closer to how we live, how I live? I'm not saying anything that doesn't convict me. These words from Paul have been breaking my heart for years. Ask yourself like I've asked myself, can I say for me to live as Christ and to die as gain? Or do I live for the gain now and hope that Christ will take care of my dying? Isn't that how we often live? Gain all we can now. In America, that's how we live. We live to gain. I want to win now. I want the job now. I want the money now. Even in the church, I want to gain the largest church. I want to be the one. I want to have whatever I want now. I want people to think a certain way about me. I think maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've even experienced it. I mean, isn't that Isn't that the reason for the division we're experiencing in our country now is because everyone wants to win now. We love to gain even if it's at the cost of what you would gain. We we love to gain whatever we have defined as our gain. When when someone dies and we begin to doubt God's goodness, isn't it because we feel that their gain or our gain has been reduced? When we go into debt for a big screen TV, the new iPhone and and a house that will fit it, aren't we living for the gain? Every time you pass by a billboard or flick your finger across social media, somebody is trying to convince you that if you just had more, you'd be happy. So what happens? We we start thinking, "I'm, I'm not very happy if I just had more stuff. We start living life to gain stuff. And in Happy Valley, we love our football. Sometimes I can hear the cheers from my office. We, we want our team to win, but sometimes we begin to live for the win. Tom Brady, you, you know that name. He was quarterback of the New England Patriots, one of the NFL's best players. At the age of 28, he had already won three Super Bowls. But with all of his fame and career accomplishments, he told an interview, So why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me? I thank God it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be all there is. This can't be what life is all about. Well, what's the answer then? Asked the interviewer. I wish I knew, Brady replied. I wish I knew. If you ask Paul what the answer was, he he knew. Paul knew the answer is for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. This is the great reversal we all need for life. Paul didn't just write these words. He lived them. His life was all about Jesus. Nothing was more important to him than pursuing Christ and making a difference in the world. Do you know what's going on in Paul's life when he writes these letter, this letter to his friends in Philippi? We've talked about it before. Imagine this is you for a minute. You've lost your job. You're separated from your friends. You're living in a strange country where you don't know anyone. Jealous enemies have ruined your reputation. You've been arrested on false charges. You've been beaten and thrown in jail. You don't know if you'll ever get out. In fact, you're facing execution. I mean, for four years, Paul has been in miserable circumstances. Not at all what he expected when he graduated to God's team. He spent years in, in prison in Caesarea on false charges, and, and then he goes to Rome to appear before Nero, who hates Christians. He has all kinds of trouble on the way to Rome. And, and you know, this isn't the first time that hardship has happened. I mean, if you were Paul and you signed up for Jesus' team, believing that following Jesus meant your life would, all, would be all about gain, right now you're looking for a refund and a new team. But that wasn't Paul's attitude. In fact, as he sat down to write this letter, the one word he could not get out of his mind was the word joy, rejoice. I mean, that word, that call is woven throughout his book. He says things like, every time I pray for you, I pray with joy. Let your life be filled with the joy of the Lord. When you read Paul's story, you realize he had a dream. 
He had a compelling vision. He wanted to live for Christ. He wanted to bring Jesus to the whole world. We've said this before, but just as a reminder, for Paul, the whole world was at Rome. He wanted to witness to Caesar, so God brought him to Rome. God brought him to Caesar, not in the way Paul envisioned. Instead, God put him in a prison where he could write the New Testament, most of the New Testament. He's chained to the praetorium, the palace guard, the best troops of the Roman Empire, highest paid people of the empire. When they retired after 12 years, they were made leaders in Rome. There's not a more strategic group that Paul could witness to if he's going to reach the Roman Empire. Some might look at the last years of Paul's life, the world's greatest missionary stuck in a Roman prison, say, what a waste. But maybe not. If your life is all about Jesus and you believe that when you die, you gain. (laughs) So what does it look like to live for Christ knowing that when we die, we gain? See, people living for Christ knowing that when they die, they gain, they make much of Christ. They're they're not living for themselves. They, They aren't afraid to die. And they even welcome suffering if it's for a great cause. I mean, let me just focus on one characteristic of this man living for Christ. When we live for Christ, believing that our greatest gain comes when we die, we get filled with courage. Listen to Paul's words in verses 19 and 20. He says, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my salvation. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether that is by life or by death. Where does that kind of courage come from? Well, one of our greatest fears is death, right? I mean, if death is gain, and we don't need to fear death, I mean, people who don't fear death get pretty fearless, right? True courage does not come from the absence of fear. It comes from the absence of self. When you love something or someone more than you love yourself, you live courageously. When when you love Jesus and others more than you love yourself, you're going to do courageous things. How many of us step back from some element of living for Christ because we're afraid of how we will look, what someone will say? We're afraid of failure. When we care more about Jesus and the people who need him than we care about ourselves, we will act with great courage. Courage, by definition, is for the moment. It's not about tomorrow. No some days, no I wishes, no if onlys. Just, Lord, give me the courage to live today for you. I want to do what I ought to do today for you. Either way, God, whether I live or die, today is your day. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. That's how we've been sent, to fearlessly live for Christ, realizing that when we die, we gain. Most of you who listen to this know me, and to some degree, I know most of you. As I think of how much God loves you, how much he wants to use you, if we would live for Christ to a greater extent, you know, to a great extent, my my part in your life has been small, but man, at times I, I, I think about you, I feel like my heart is bursting with the Father's pride for you. Like, I can't wait to have you go out and be who God made you to be. Like, I can see these things inside of you that, that you can't even see, but I know they're there. And I think about it, I can barely contain the joy in my heart. And, and as I'm feeling this kind of Father heart stuff, I'm just saying, God, I don't even know where this is coming from. I I don't know these people that well. And God said to me, I know you don't, but I do. 
And I just wanted to give you just a little taste because a little taste is all your heart can take. I I wanted to give you just a little taste of the joy that I feel when I look at them. And Dan, I want you to tell them that they bring me great joy. You bring great joy to Father God. So go live your life for Jesus, knowing that when you die, you have great gain because you bring great joy to Father God. God, I I lift up each and every person listening on this day, episode 200. God, there are words that have challenged me in my walk and my faith. I don't want to live for the gain now, hoping that Christ will take care of my dying. I want to live for Christ now, knowing that when I die, I gain knowing that death is all taken care of because of the resurrection of Christ, because resurrection power has been let loose in the world, knowing that death has been taken care of, that when I die, I gain. I want to live for Jesus now. God, I pray that you would give that that challenge, that courage, that that hope, that dream, that passion to each and every person li- listening. God, that, that each and every one of us, that all of us together, that more than anything in the world, we would just want to live for Jesus. God, let there be a great reversal in our life, that no longer would we live for the gain, no longer thinking that it's all about me, that instead of living for the gain, we we would live for Christ, knowing that when we die, there's going to be amazing, amazing gain. God, I pray that each person listening would know that they bring great joy to you, would know that you're eager for them to get the gain of heaven, of life with you knowing that you will give them the power and the resources right now, right now to live each day, each moment, that you will give them the courage to live right now, each day, each moment for Christ. We thank you for all these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.